You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Your betting options feel endless. Yeah, guys, with all the baseball... Of course, the trade deadline happened. All the teams are loading up. You know, that could uh, maybe take a look at some futures futures actions. How about Aaron Judge? Is he going to break the home run record? You know, check out those odds. Uh, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 232 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? It's the power of scheduling, folks. It's Hopefully it's easy like Sunday morning for you. It's Sunday and I am waking up in the city of champions, Edmonton, Alberta. Of course, I am in Edmonton for the Ice Wars 2 tournament that actually, well, as you're listening to this, it happened last night uh, at the River Creek Casino. Uh, eight bouts as well as a cruiserweight tournament. And, I, hey, I hope it went well. Uh, <laughs> we're in a time warp here, folks. I am actually recording this intro Wednesday night. Um... And then uh, Friday morning, we are heading out to Edmonton. So I wanted to make sure I had an episode done for you guys on Sunday. Uh, and I certainly wasn't going to record anything on Sunday. So um, I actually in- interviewed a, uh, a returning guest, Jeremy Cornish. Tremendous guest. And I interviewed Jeremy way, way back on episode 21. And of course, you know how we do it around here. and We covered his entire career from junior to pro. 
And, um, yeah, and I've, and I've wanted to get him back for a while now, but of course, um, his wife and his kids, of course, they, they live in the UK where he's a school teacher now. And, uh, so of course with the time difference, seven hours, uh, it's a little tough, but, uh, we managed to finally, uh, you know, uh, set up a t- uh, time and we got, uh, cause I wanted to bring him back for the five toughest opponents, which we did. And not only did we do that, but he also wanted to talk about his five toughest teammates. So he threw that in. So yeah, it's a fun. We talked about, I think, 45 minutes to about an hour around there, give or take. And, um, like I said, really nice guy, always fun to talk to. Um, and, the, I, and it's, we actually bring this up in the interview, but, um, it's funny because, um, he's also a fight fan. I don't know. It sounds funny because you're like, what, what, what does that mean? You know, well, not only obviously was he an enforcer and everything else, but before he was playing junior and all that stuff, he had fight tapes and he was a fight fan. And, uh, and was a fight fan throughout his career. And he talks about it in the interview. On his wall, he has a picture of when he, he was a massive Mel Engelstad fan. And, you know, he grew up in Ontario. And they went to some Thunder Bay games in the old Colonial League. And he was just focused on Mad Mel. And he was a massive fan. So fast forward years later in the UK, he fights Mel when Mel plays for Belfast. And he actually got the picture signed. And he said it's up on his office wall. And, uh, cause he is a fight fan. So, um, but yes, Jeremy was a great guest, great guy. And I think you guys will really dig this interview. And, uh, and like I said, um, uh, and just a, just an exciting fighter. And, um, for those of you that are kind of, um, you're not really familiar, uh, well, make yourself familiar. That's the point of these shows and the interviews. Um, Paul, of course, who runs the UK Fight uh, YouTube channel, uh, actually recently just did an updated version of Jeremy's Fight DVD that he put on to YouTube, and it's like two and some hour, because Jeremy was one of the players, one of the few, again, being a fan, one of the few guys that collected his footage when he was playing. So he's got junior stuff and Central League stuff and, of course, the UK stuff. And uh, it's all out there for, for us to view. And I'll tell you, folks, I hey, have I ever steered you wrong? I mean, other than those few times, have I ever steered you wrong? Uh, seriously, though, at all, uh, joking aside, YouTube, Jeremy Cornish, believe me, you will not be disappointed. Lefty, wide open, uh, you know, give one to take one. And, uh, or take one to give one. And, uh, yeah, you'll have, believe me, go down the rabbit hole. You will have a lot of fun watching Jeremy Cornish throw down. So, um, so, and after that, come listen to the interview. You'll dig it. So, but like I said, guys, I wanted to get that done and get out there, get it out there for you. So, you know, you weren't listening to uh, dead air on Sunday. See teammates, man. Good team. I'm here picking you up. But, uh, other than that, I'm not going to talk for too long. Um, other I say, please follow me on social media on Twitter as well as on Facebook, Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook and on YouTube. Um, I have over 2,500 videos on there. Just hit the subscribe button. Um, whatever league you look for, everything sorted, OHL, NHL, WHL, whatever, type it in, boom, up it'll come. Also, Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast, uh, not only check out his podcast, He's a little, um, it's been a while since a few episodes, he's, since he's put out an episode, um, they're actually busy in the process of house hunting and trying to put money down and all that nonsense that comes with that shenanigans, buying a house, so he has been otherwise, life is getting in the way, but he has not retired the podcast or anything, it's just on a temporary hold, but he does have a tremendous back catalog, Frank Violois, Rob Ray, Jason Rushton, on and on, go check it out, tremendous, 
Um, in fact, this past Wednesday, I just, I had him on. He helped me out as well as Jay down in Iowa there. Um, they, we did the, of course, the Ice Wars preview show. And I always enjoy having those two jokers on them. We all, we were on there for hours. I mean, the episode is an hour as long. I think it's about an hour and a bit, but we end up, we were yapping for hours before we got going, drinking beers and yelling nonsense. But, uh, it was all, it's always fun having them on. But, uh, yeah, so that was Wednesday's episode. But, uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, Five for Fighting podcast, give it a listen. And as well as on YouTube, uh, he has, uh, he put up all the East Coast League fights from this past season. And, uh, yeah, so subscribe to his channel as well. We're trying to get, uh, Alec to a thousand subscribers. So if you could do that, that would be tremendous. Other than that, folks, I'm going to shut up because, um, yeah, I just have to go do some, do some stuff in the backyard. And then, uh, actually I am hopefully interviewing someone Thursday night and, uh, hopefully I'm not going to call out names in case it doesn't happen. So I will have that interview ready to go too. So that'll be, oh, to actually be ahead of the game for once. That would be nice. <laughs> but, uh, of course you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday, perhaps on your commute to work. Um, this coming Wednesday, um, I am going to do my, my Ice Wars review show as well as just my trip to Edmonton and so maybe some of the conversations I had with the guys at the event. And, uh, cause I will be bouncing around talking to, hopefully talking to everybody out there and, and maybe doing some videos and putting that up on my social media. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to be a little more active, um, at this, at this event. I'm hoping to be a little more active at this event than I was at the first one. I did have some video up on the first one, but I'm trying to do a little more, more this time. Um, yeah, so that's my goal anyway. But anyway, um, yeah, so, but Wednesday I will have some stories for you. Because always, there's always some, some whatnot that happens while we go on road trips. So I'll, I'll share some stories with you. And then, uh, and then hopefully the Sunday I will have the interview for you. So, um, anyway, guys, that enough of me talking. Let's get into it here. Um, as I said, this is uh, five toughest opponents and five toughest teammates with Jeremy Cornish. Please go back and check out Jeremy's full interview. Like I said, episode twenty-one, and uh, please check out the back catalog. Like I said, two hundred thirty-one other episodes to go check out. Uh, for those that, uh, for those of you guys that tune in, like I always say, I appreciate it. Um, I know there's a million podcasts out there to listen to. The fact that you chose this one. Um, I greatly appreciate it and, uh, do, I try my best for you guys anyway. And, uh, and, and hopefully you're, you're taking the journey with me and, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see where it goes. It's always some twists and turns, right? So, but here we go, folks. Uh, this is my conversation with Jeremy Cornish. Enjoy. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Thanks everybody. All right. Here on the fourth line voice, returning guest. All the way out from the in the UK, Jeremy Cornish. Jeremy, how you doing tonight? I'm good, thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for the big return. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, you're uh, for those listening. Uh, Jeremy was on the show way back in episode 21, and we went through his entire career from junior all the way to through pro, and uh, talked about everything under the sun. But I think today, on the return, we're going to talk about. It's part of the five toughest opponents series, and I've had a number of gentlemen come back on the show, Marcus Lafalo, Wade Brookbank, etc., to do this. But Jeremy's added a twist to it. He said, "I'm going to do my five toughest teammates as well." So I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be good. Yeah, I'm good. I've got to give a shout out to uh, John and Paul who helped me with the uh, the list as well. So uh, big shout out to them. 
Well, here we go. You're already sullying the good name of this show by throwing those two out. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're great. They, they are. are actually, we came up with three lists, and they both were, or all three were very, very similar. So, so they're they're pretty close to the mark. Yeah. They, they know they they know their stuff better than I do. They do, and I will say, Paul, of course, is the owner and creator of the UK Fight Channel. I'm sure everybody listening has watched a million fights on that channel. And, of course, John Searson, well, he, I've had that guy on this show. I've been desperate enough to have him on my show like three or four times. Tells you how desperate I was getting. And, uh, oh, it is. Yeah, I'll tell you. You know, but he works cheap, so, you know, we bring him on. He's the UK correspondent for the fourth line voice, but he, he does a, he does a good job. And they're definitely, like you said, they're definitely passionate hockey fans and, uh, they know what they're talking about. They sure do. Yeah. They, they definitely do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they, I, I'm interested to, we'll see this collaborative list here, but, uh, what do you want to do first? Do you want to do your toughest opponents or your toughest teammates? I think we'll do the opponents first, starting right. back from five. What do you think? I think so. Here we go. Okay, well, I think we have to lay the ground rules. I think um, I think that we have the toughest names, if that makes sense. So some of, some of the names were towards the end of their career or kind of in the middle, maybe. Um, I don't think it's really judged on how my fights with them went, but just on the actual names of the of the tough guys. Does that make sense? I get you. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Starting with number five. Okay. Marty Melnichuk. <laughs> the meat grinder. There you well, there we're off to a hot start right now. There you go. Well he beat me up twice in one game, so he, he definitely makes a list. So I fought him he was in Missouri and I was in Flint. I don't, did I tell you on the first podcast the story about him? Well, I mean, we, can, we, we have number of new listeners. We can always we can retell it. Let's hear it again. So just remember, we're in we're in Missouri, and I remember the bus pulls up, and we get out, and everyone's bringing their gear into the room, and Melnichuk is riding a, a stationary bike out front of our locker room with no shirt on, and the guys were just like, "Holy Christ, who is this guy?" And then um, I fought him twice in that game, and he dropped me both times, and then I think I'm pretty. Right after the game, he had popped over and said, good good job, kid, or whatever. I think I was about 21 at the time. But he was tough, really tough. Well, and that's, yeah. the, th- and that's the thing that we should probably – like, did you know – I mean, obviously you heard the name, but did you know anything about him? Like, did you know lefty oh. or righty or how he fought or had you ever seen him? Like, No, I don't think at that st- – I was pretty naive and just a kid then. But, um, you know, you know that is the, the welcome to, you know – Welcome to, to minor league hockey's when you see someone like him with no shoulder pads on and the big leather straps, you know, like he, he was big, um, you know, and I was just a skinny kid. So um, just real seasoned guy, wasn't he, at that time? He was, he was just tough as nails. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's definitely uh, yeah, a hot start. Was he um, Was he one of those guys, like when you're like in the warm-ups and stuff, was he barking and yelling and letting everybody know? No, I don't think, not against us, I don't think at that time. I was only in Flint for a few months, but no, I don't think so. Like, I think he was just, you just, you could see him, right? Like, you, no shoulder pads on. Um, yeah. We wore helmets in warm-up by that time, but, you know, he's just, you know, he just, he just the way he skated, he knew, he just, you know, hands at the side, you know, you just knew that he was the guy, big leather straps. and Yeah, just kind of had that presence. 
Yeah, you just knew, you knew the name and you saw the game notes. And obviously, I was always a minor league fight fan before that even anyway, so I would have known who he was. But, you know, YouTube and stuff weren't around back then, so I wouldn't have known anything yeah. about him, really. Were you, um, a, were you a big Red Line Cruiser barking guy? No, the odd time maybe, but not... Not back then because I was so young, really. I think probably when I came over here, I would do a bit of that against certain guys that I, you know, if someone was, like, staring at you or something. I didn't really go at that very often, no. I did roam the red line a bit, though, from time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who who was, like, who was sort of, like, famous for that? Like, would just would do it all the time and get yappy and stuff, and you're just like, oh, God, here we go. I don't know who would have been. I don't know who would have been famous for it, but um, I remember when Rushton came over. He came over to Belfast, and I fought him twice in one weekend. And he was doing like we I played in Basingstoke. And we had such a poor team. I think we had about twelve players at the time. He was just roaming the red line, staring at me, barking at me, and I was just thinking, like, come on, like here we go. Like I, I was about, I was older then, and I was just thinking, what is this guy doing? Because he's you know putting on the show. And we had probably lost about 20 games in a row at that time. And I was just thinking, oh, Christ, we got to do this. So I fought him on the Saturday night. And then in the box, he was saying, we need to go again. We're going again. And I was just thinking, no, we're definitely not going again. I'm double shifting here. And that never, ever, ever happened (laughs) (laughs) except for that season. So then we ended up going again on the Sunday. And he, um, he told me he didn't get a, a fight bonus if he fought on the road, so he didn't want to fight me the next night, so I just had to kind of drop my gloves and go after him. But So he was kind of just that memory of him barking and chirping on the red line. I can't really recall anybody else doing it very much. But, yeah. <laughs> well, well, there we go. We got uh, we got the meat grinder at number five. Number four, Chris McAllister. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So he was at the tail end of his career. Um, really nice guy. Like just, an, I've had an opportunity to have a few drinks with him after that when he was in Newcastle. My wife's from Newcastle, so I would see him up there when he played there just a couple of different times. Had a beer with him, and just a really, really nice guy. I fought him. I think I fought him twice. Probably the same. Probably that year I was in Basingstoke. I think, and I think they're on YouTube. Yeah. But um, I can't. I think it's just twice. Once in. I don't know if they both were in Newcastle. I can't remember, but I do remember one in Newcastle where he was like, he was big and he, when you kind of grabbed on, you knew he could take your head clean off if he wanted to. And I'm pretty sure we threw back and forth and I'm pretty sure I'd have to look it back up. And I'm pretty sure he he let up on me at the end. because I think I, I think he kind of pulled me towards him and I was kind of going downwards and I think he could have hit me probably with an uppercut or something and taken my head clean off, but he didn't. Um, just a super tough guy. And that was towards the end of his career. So God only knows how t- tough he was at 25, 26, 27. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. he would be like a six, 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 seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at that time, he's at that time, he's probably two fifty, two sixty, like just heavy. Yeah, and how tall were you? Uh, six, three, six, four. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you know, eh, but still, you're still looking up, you know, and, uh, yeah. It's just the power of those, like, those guys are big. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're Mm -hmm. just men. Yeah. They're just big guys. Well, yeah, I mean, there's 250, but it can be spread out differently, right? (laughs) Well, I remember fighting that Radisavonis when I was in Port Huron, and he was 250, but he was jacked. Oh, yeah. Like, just all muscle. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw a picture of that guy. Like, where that guy looked like he fell off the cover of Muscle and Fitness. Like he's just, oh. he looked like a bodybuilder. Like, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other. Actually, he didn't make the list. He should have maybe been put in there somewhere. Forgot about him. But like, well, like when a when a guy like McAllister grabs you, like you you know you've been grabbed, right? Like it's like, is there like a different, just a different kind of grip strength and. It is, yeah. It's just totally different. We'll get that towards the top of my list, actually. Um, I'll talk more about that. I think you just—it's like riding a riding a bull, I would imagine. But like the thing is, with Chris, he wasn't mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he—he he fought me. I don't know what had happened, but we fought. I, pro- you know, I don't—I don't know. I don't remember how it happened, but we ended up fighting. I don't know if I had to ask him, but maybe he fought because he, like I had played for Newcastle the previous two years, so maybe he didn't. You know, maybe it. I didn't want to fight Payat at that time, you know, or Perone because we were quite good friends. So, don't really know. Yeah. No. All right. Well, there you go, McAllister, Melnichuk. Yeah. Okay. Number three is uh, Steve McIntyre. <laughs> but we both were kids when we fought, so it's it's not it's strictly by the name of what he had become, really. Yeah. yeah. Um. If we we I think he's a similar age than me, maybe a year or two younger. Um, I was in Flint as well, so I was 21, maybe turning 22, and he might have been 20 or 19, or I don't know what the age was. 22, maybe I don't know. Anyways, that's more about the the name of who I had fought, not the actual. I think if we had both fought five years later, he probably would have killed me. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, I hear you. Um... Yeah, well, to go, like you say, like, so, I mean, he's about the same height as McAllister, so, you know, um, and same weight and everything. When you're fighting a guy like that, I mean, I know you were, I mean, you were a toe-to-toe guy, whatever, but with that, were you still, like, were you trying to figure, okay, I'm, like, did you have a game plan, like, okay, I'm going to work inside with these guys, or is you still at that point just like, ah, screw it, I just want to stick my chin out and go and we'll see? Yeah, I've, I always just, I think at times if I felt that I was in trouble, I would then get my head in in tight. But other than that, I would throw, I think that McIntyre fight, that was a long time ago. I think I probably got myself in trouble towards the end. But I think I was fine throughout the first half of the fight, no problem. Um, it's just, it's just... It's just so hard to discuss. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it doesn't get talked about more so about like, so me fighting him at 20 or 21 compared to if I had to fight him at 28, it just would have been a totally different thing. Um, like McAllister was a bear. I didn't get that with McIntyre, but I'm sure he developed, obviously he was the toughest in the NHL at one point. So he obviously developed into that. And I got stronger as well as the years went on. So um, just, just, a t- just another tough guy, big guy. And he did really well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and it's interesting though because it's and it's not a disrespect to these guys. They probably agree with me. Um, With and I, like you said, they're both Saskatoon guys. So I watched them from junior on. I've I've known them since they were sixteen. Both of them. Well, McAllister and I are the same age. So, uh, uh, you know, so watching them, I, I guess, if there was a weakness in their game or whatever, it was. It probably was that both of them were too nice yeah at, at points yeah. and I think they left and it was kind of uh I don't know a few guys that had talked about McIntyre I mean it was always sort of uh you know it was react instead of act mm-hmm. so they're like you know like if he would have been mad and maybe 
push the issue more as a bully, he might have played longer in the NHL, maybe, instead of just letting everybody react, like, reacting to everything. Because yeah, at the same time, that. it's like, who's going to go start anything with him, right? It's like, just let him sleep then and, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. I mean, that was always, I've heard from a few coaches, that was always sort of the knock, that they were too nice, you know. Yeah, which I think I think it's well documented with Chris that that's how he like it wasn't he, it's not something he enjoyed he was no he was fucking have fucking good at it but um you, you know it takes a mean streak I think like one thing I made sure of when I played is I didn't befriend any of these guys you know I didn't I wasn't anybody's mates and I didn't you know I had to have that mindset and that's why I couldn't mentally go to play in, in the Quebec League I just didn't have that mindset I wasn't wired up like. Yeah, you were just said. Yeah, you weren't wired like that in the Quebec. That's why you couldn't go to the Quebec League. You weren't. Wired yeah, I just, like I just that. couldn't. I couldn't do that. Um, I just wasn't wired up like that. I had to. I had to always have that in my mindset. Was that I? I hate you. <laughs> That's why I have to fight you. Well, that always made more sense to me. Like that. That. Like yeah, it was never. I, yeah, I'm not your friend. I don't want to be your friend. Like it's to me that would make it a lot easier. Like that would be easier than. Yeah. Okay. Let's hang out and be friends and what? Like I don't know. To me, that just seems weird. I don't know. Well, there's just, there's just to, even to this day, there's just nothing worse than patting a guy after a fight. Like I just think that is just the, the worst possible thing to do. I know a lot of guys think that's loyal and great, and to give them a tap after, but that's not what fighting in the game was about. It's an intimidation, yeah. intimidation well, thing. And if you're giving a guy a high five after, you just lose that right away. Well, well, yeah. It's like, what would you fight for then? <laughs> you know, like if you're not exactly. I mean, if I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other topic. I know you and I, in our first episode, we actually talked uh, uh, fairly lengthy about that issue, but it was like, yeah, exactly. And I I ranted and raved on multiple episodes about this code horse shit that people talk about, and it's just like, what are we doing? It's a a bully. That's what what the job is. You're an asshole. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's not to be nice. Like, I don't understand. Like, oh, it's a, so, it's a, so sportsmanship. It's like, what is there? It's a fist fight on ice. What is there, what is there to be a sportsman about? Like, I don't. Nothing. No. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I always, like, you said, well, you know, you and I are roughly close to the same age. It's like, I don't think Probert and McSorley and Twist were ever thinking about sportsmanship. Like that's no, and they but, never tapped each other on. The, on they never tap, tap tap someone on the helmet after they were done. No, like Dave Semenko did not strike me as a sportsman. <laughs> you know, no, but they fought. You know, they fought the right way and they fought loyal. But like, I can imagine if someone tried. I'm sure lots of guys said, "Well, well done to Probert after," and I can't imagine him saying too much back or shaking his hand or maybe after the game, but. It just it's just not the way the game's meant to be played. I would no, exactly. But uh oh well there we go. Well we got three monsters already. So number two. Right, the next one is Mad Mal Engelstead. Ah, there you go. Yeah. So you got you got a lot of trouble with guys from Saskatchewan, I'm thinking. That's what it's coming down to here. That's probably they're this, they're this where the toughest guys come from, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I absolutely idolized Mel. Um, I've told you before, and the other time I was on, I just I was just a minor league nerd, um, you know, through junior and stuff. And even before junior, uh, my dad took me to an old Colonial League game years, you know, when I was about fifteen or sixteen, and I just was glued to to minor league hockey and you know the back pages of the hockey news, reading the stats and. Um, you know, just Mel Engelstad's name just always would pop up. So when I got a chance to fight him, I actually got a picture, <laughs> picture signed of it. It's in my office at home. 
So we fought, we fought in Belfast. Um, and we fought in the far corner in Belfast, and I remember asking him to go early in the game, and he was like, "Yep, no problem." So we dropped the gloves square off, and he and we I had to wear a visor, but if you're born before 1974, I think it is, you don't have to wear a visor in the UK. So he didn't wear a visor, and I took my helmet off. I remember throwing. I, I might have told you this already. I can't remember. But then um, Mel didn't take his helmet off, and Karen's just yelled at him, "Take your effing helmet off, Mel!" And then Mel took his helmet off, and then we fought. It was, no. it was a good fight. It was a good fight. He was strong, but he was, you know, another guy that was on the on the back end. But he, he after I was in the box, we come out of the box and he fought Cairns, and it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. That Just fight, totally was, oh, that fight with Cairns oh, is insane. Oh, I, I was I was right beside it on the ice, and I could just hear the smacking. I've told people that before, but just just it was just mental how they went at it. My fight was short and sweet, thank God. But they went right at it. Yeah, but yeah, that was quite cool to fight him, and I've got the picture here beside me. It just says, uh, and actually, when he signed it, he says the picture says it all, and then he signed it underneath. So it's quite cool for me to have that. Absolutely, yeah, that is sweet. Uh, yeah, Mad Mel, there you go. Well, you gotta, yeah. Well, that was the funny thing, like when you and I were talking, even like going back to your first episode. But um, I know when we were gonna do this, I kind of, you know, went back and I watched, you know. Paul's video that he had put up of you there on YouTube yeah. and, and then some of that. And then I was just looking at your fight card and it was just like, man, you, uh, you didn't pick spots. I'll give you that, man. Your, your fight card is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Quite proud of that. Just never, uh, never saying no. So probably should have the odd time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll ask you, we'll, we'll do number one here. I, I'll, I had a few follow-up questions, but number one, here we go. Jeremy Corners, the five toughest opponents. We're at number one. Wade Belak. Well, there you go. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Now, that was uh, that was a hold-on-for-dear-life situation both times I fought him. The first time I fought him was in Coventry. I just, I think I went in just to finish my check on him. He cross-checked me and immediately dropped his gloves. So it was, uh, it was, um I had him tied up quite well. Excuse me, I just need to take a drink. Getting all nervous talking about it. <laughs> Bringing bad memories back. Um, so I, I went in the corner, finished my check on him. He cross-checks me. Gloves come immediately off from what I remember. And then we just started throwing. I don't really remember exactly. I'm pretty sure I tried switching up so I could throw laughs. And then I let go of his left hand, and he just drilled me right under. I had the visor on still. He had a visor on. And he drilled me in the temple, cut me, but we just kept going. And then I probably fell at the end. But he was, that was like, that was like literally riding a bull. Like he was just, his shoulders were wide. He was strong. Um, the second time I fought him was in London. He had hit one of our small British players at center ice, just took his head clean off. So I jumped over the boards, jumped him. Then he was like on the ice, kind of covering up. And I, I punched him in the back of the head, and then when he got up, I thought, shit, I'm in trouble here. So then I got, like, my elbow pads and everything off, and then we fought, and I just tried tying up at the end. But, yeah, so two fights with him, um, super tough, um, super, super tough guy. And the best thing about that was uh, Karen, Eric Cairns, who I played with, was quite friendly with him, and earlier in the year I asked him if he'd introduce me to him, and he's like, no, I'm not introducing you to him because you're going to end up fighting him this year for sure. And then we did have a couple fights. 
Super well, tough guy, man. Shame what had happened to him. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And there, well, and there, there you go. Another Saskatchewan guy. Watched him play with the Blades and uh, met him a number of times. Nice guy. Um, but yeah, well, and the thing was, is when you fought him, that was sort of right in his prime too. Like he really well, that's wasn't. What always got, that's. I, I think he was. I, I want to say he was top three in the NHL at that time. I'd say so. Yeah, and I, and I held in with him both times. So just those are the things that make you think. What was I doing over here at that time? But that doesn't matter now. But that is something I do think back about um, because he was, um, you know, he he was <laughs> he was easily top three at that time. Yeah, him and Karen's both were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you said like right at the start when you the first fight when you went in to hit him and he crossed you. Had anything led up to that? Like, were you guys having words or? No, I don't know. He was just like he was ruthless, eh? Like he didn't come over here for a par- he didn't come over here for a party. Like he he came over here and he played hard. Like he was not messing about. I don't think he wanted to fight necessarily. Like he he didn't square off. He didn't offer to square off. He didn't take his helmet off or anything like that. Like he obviously had to he had to take care of himself. He didn't want to be getting hurt playing in the UK when you know he's, he's on an NHL contract really. So um, he was ruthless. He didn't give a shit one bit. He was going hard. Yeah, um, I don't yeah. like. Go Karen, ahead, sorry. Well, I was gonna say, Karen's was the same way, right? Yeah, Karen's did not mess around either. Yeah, no, they both came to play, and that was, you know, who was the who was the big tall guy that played Nottingham at that time? He played in Pittsburgh, played in L.A. Oh, McKenna. Yeah, so he was over here, but he was over here to be a good guy. Like he wasn't interested at all. Yeah, and there was a few others over here that year that were just here for a bit of a, a skate around. Um, but like Belak was mean, proper mean. Yeah, well, and I always say with that, like I was surprised that the number of times they fought that he fought, and I was actually really surprised that him and Karen's fought because I was like, I didn't think like you know what I mean, like the NHL, the brothers. I didn't think the old brothers would fight, right? Like Union brothers, but yeah, like you said, they were both there and they were both playing. They're playing mean and they're playing to win, like. Yeah, we got that game was. Uh, I think I want to say that was a. Pl- I can't remember if that was a playoff game that they fought, but I'd fought Payette right before that. Um, I just think it was just we just had a really heated rivalry with them. We were really tough. Like we had Dennis Maxwell, uh, Karen Z, myself, Jason Robinson was a really tough defenseman. Like we we just did not. It was just two really tough teams. And then Coventry had Payet and, and Belak. So it was just two teams. And, and Coventry were much more skilled than us. They were a better team. Um, but they just, they just didn't mess around. So give them, give them both props, Karens and Belak, for when they came over because they, they played hard. Yeah. yeah. How, how, I, I know we talked about it in the first interview. And, I mean, we're, you know, we're obviously rehashing some stuff. But for the sake, we have new listeners. Um, like, how, how was, like, Karens over there with you guys in London? Um did he was he was he cool or like did he kind of big league anybody or was he all right? Oh, absolutely not. He was just one of the guys. He was he was awesome for me. Um, and I, I'll get to I'll get to my teammate list and there's a couple on there that helped me with my you know fighting game as it were. Actually, quite a few on that list. A couple of them, anyways, helped me with my fighting game. But um, Karenzi was unbelievable, like tactically how to fight. He fought different than me. He was big, so he could grab the middle of the jersey. Um, and he could switch where I would I would focus in on getting that right hand and throw my lefts as hard and fast as I could. That was kind of my my thought process. But he was, you know, he was a smart fighter 
and he was big and strong and he, you know we wrestled around after practice the odd time and it was awesome having him. I got to ro- ro- room with him on the road a few times and he he was really good. No big ligging at all. No, he was one of the guys. Well, and like you've, met, you've mentioned a couple times, and I know you're, like you said, you're kind of a fight, you're a fight nerd too. You're not only just an enforcer and a hockey player, but you were a fight fan as well. Yeah. Um, like when you were on the road with him, was it just like friggin' 20 questions? Were you like just pampering him with like NHL stuff? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know really. That, once again, that's a long time ago. I, I probably should have been more so. I think we did get stories out of him and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I think probably, especially with the fight stuff, yeah. asking guys he had fought and and things like that. So, but at that time, you know, he was him and Bilak. I don't know, I don't know who else would have been tougher at that time than him and Bilak in the NHL. The Rock, maybe. Yeah, and Brashear. I mean, those were yeah. kind of those would kind of be the four guys that I would have. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because, like you said, the two of those guys they came over to the UK and played it tough. Brashear went to the LMAH. I mean, which I could not believe he did that, and he yeah. and he fought a whole bunch of. Well, it's the LNH. You're not going to have any choice, especially with those guys who just be chomping at the bit to fight him. That's um, right. You know, so it's like those guys. I mean, like you said, a lot of the NHL guys went, and you know, it was a paid vacation for a lot of them. But some of them, they kept their 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 chops anyway, their fighting chops in check. So yeah, all those guys are wired up different, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, was I was gonna say what in when all your fights and everything was this like? I mean, I know those are your five toughest opponents and all that, but was there any fight that you were in when like a guy hit you and it was just like it was just a different level of power? Like you're just oh that yeah. I think you know I think I came out pretty pretty like all, all those guys on the list like. There's a couple other guys that like honorable mentions because of how they hit. And the first one was this Adam Stephenson kid from Edinburgh. Do you remember that name? Yep. Yep. Like, he, kid. Yep. He could just throw cinder blocks and he could throw both hands and he was small, which I hated fighting guys that were smaller than me. Absolutely hated it. Like he would just throw. Um, there was one night we were playing in Edinburgh and he ran our goalie accidentally. But obviously, I had to fight him after, and I had a massive black eye. I remember we were, I was, we were having our Christmas break after, and the whole Christmas break, I just had this swollen up eye. He was just super tough. He threw both hands, and the other one was a real tough guy was Reagan Darby. Yep. And I always did well against Reagan. It was no problem. But I remember like the welts on my head from him, just because he threw hard. Yeah, it was like yeah. like I've had guys on that have talked about that, and they talk about like like how hard Ferone threw. And how hard yeah. it hit, how hard Ferone would hit, and they're like they were surprised by it because he's so slight, right? And they were just like, you know, but all of a sudden they like they hit you, and it was like, oh my god, like your body shook, right? And it was just like and square, yeah, in both yeah. hands, no problem. We'll get to him in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, in terms of the fighting, again, I mean, I know we went over this, but um, were you did you kind of like what? I always ask the guy. I always find it fascinating just to kind of get different people's different guys uh, approach the fighting and their, the science of it and all that sort of thing. Were you, did you kind of like the immediate get into it or were you a square off guy? Did you prefer to square off? Yeah, I, squ- I squared off most of the time. Now, okay, so now that you're, you're squaring off, did you want them to come to you or did you go to them? What did you prefer to do? I think the rule of thumb is to let them come to you, but then I think, I think a lot of the time I would be focusing on that right arm because I'm a lefty, obviously, so I had my left out of the way. I think a lot of the fights, if you look back, I'm pretty sure I ducked 
quite a few right hands to start. Yeah. And then I would yeah. grab. And I think sometimes if I didn't get the right grab, I would maybe take a couple and then try to get the right grab. There's a couple, I remember there's a couple fights with Schmier where I had him just in the center of the shirt and that wasn't good with him because he was tough as well. So I'd just take a couple, get, get the grab and then start swinging. Do you ever, I mean, you know, with age comes wisdom and everything else and you kind of look back on it and whatever. Was there times when you were sort of like, I should, I, you know, instead of just total, like instead of total to all the time, maybe I should have done a little more, a little more ducking, so to speak. Like, do you ever look back on it and maybe I should have refined my technique a little bit or were you just like, that's the only way you knew how to do it. And I just going to go. I don't know. Then I would have turned into how the guys fight now. Wouldn't have I? Well, kind of, I don't know. I mean, you could have done the Rocky Thompson chuck and duck kind of thing. Cause yeah, he was left-handed too. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a bit, but I, I'm quite proud of how I stood in and did it. I think I watched the oh, fights yeah. now. And I think I watched the fights. Maybe, maybe, I think, I think I was pretty good if I knew I was in trouble to get in close and then readjust. I, I just like throwing fast and hard at the start and then, then seeing how it would go. <laughs> Rolling the dice, really, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, I just, like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, as a, as strictly as a fan sitting here, oh, yeah, you were entertaining as shit. I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, I always say, like, guys like you and, like, Rocky, like, you video fighters, right? Like, it's, and Mel and guys like that, there's no jersey, it's just toe-to-toe, right? So, yeah. but I, I was just thinking, like, just looking back on it, you think maybe everyone's like, you're like, yeah, maybe I should have employed, employed a little more defense, but. Yeah, I think probably at times. But when when you get hit and when you get knocked out like that, you don't even see it coming. Yeah, that's the problem. So it's it's um, maybe at times, yeah, like some unnecessary yeah. damage sometimes that could have maybe well, been avoided. How, how about not the style, but maybe the unnecessary fights? Well, yeah. Well, well, well there you know, go. Right? Yeah. Some of them, some of them, you fought, you fought someone for this. You know, you know, at the time, it, it's a little bit different when. I don't have any regrets of the, the fights early in the season to kind of set the tone and all. I don't have any problem with that, but there's sometimes like that Stefanschen fight I just told you about where he accidentally ran the goalie. I didn't need to fight him in Edinburgh on a Sunday night. There's yeah. no need to bother fighting him. So those fights I regret, I would say, um, senseless, the senseless ones. But um, no, I don't have any regrets with how I did it. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you should have been maybe a little more selective sometimes, but. Well, yeah, because you know who else I fought in Edinburgh was um, Oduya. Yeah, I fought him one night. Just it was a nothing game, and he ended up cutting me over the eye. And I was just thinking, why did I do that? So there's probably those fights that had no bearing on the game that you think, why did you bother? Yeah, well, and it's and like and it's interesting because the fights you're bringing up, of course, they're like you like older. You're older. Like when you're in like Memphis and or you know, and you're younger and stuff. I guess. Every time is a good time. You know, it's just like, whatever, let's go. <laughs> like, right. you're not really thinking of it at that point, you know. No, that's exactly right. Well, and I guess everything's about establishing yourself too, right? I mean, you know, so, yeah, every time's a good time, I guess, you know. But when you get <laughs> you get over to the UK, yeah, you maybe start wondering, yeah, maybe not tonight. That, that should have been the approach some nights, I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it's over now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess, like I said, as a fan, I, I can appreciate it, uh, you know, for sure. That, uh, but um, yeah, so that was five. That was a hell of a list, man. Um, well, now we got the five toughest teammates. This should be interesting. Right. So number five, I'm going to go with Payette. 
that well. Andre, <laughs> yeah, he was tough. He fought everybody. Um, I fought him twice and did really well against him, but I don't think that has any bearing on actually how tough he was. And he was a decent player as well. So he, he you know, he fought everybody. He not very often said no, and that's one thing I respect about him. Tough, tough guy. Threw hard and threw fast. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, did, and did it for a long time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realize how, how long he was over in the UK for, but yeah, like he was there for 10 years, played in that league. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. In, in his fight card before he even came over, like I was scared to death of him the first, the first time I fought him in Coventry, um, we just both fell immediately. We squared off at center and we both just fell. And in the, in the penalty box, he was just giving me loads of mouth, um, about me not, you know, just a central league guy coming over, that sort of stuff. And, and like I said, I did really well against him the other two times, but he was super tough and he fought everybody. Yeah. And like you said, with, with, with these guys, in terms of, um, well, and especially as a teammate, I mean, like strength in numbers, right? I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, did you ever have, and you don't have to throw out any names or whatever, but just, did you ever have a guy where you sensed it was like, it was, even though they were teammates, there was like a competition? Or he kind of, maybe he, he, uh, resented you a little bit being there? Did you ever get that from anybody? No, I didn't, because it was quite, in Newcastle that year, we had obviously three lines of forwards, and it was Ferone, Pat, and me, which was just unbelievably tough. Um, no, I didn't have that. Anywhere I played, no, 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 I never had that problem. Yeah, some, well, teams I was, some teams I was the only guy, and some teams you had three or four, so it just depended where where it was. No, I never had any animosity like that. No. Yeah, well, I, I'm sitting there as I'm saying it. I'm like back then, of course, when you're playing, it was like yeah, in the Central League. I mean, I I would think guys would want two or three helpers, so to speak, in that league back then. So yeah, now that I'm saying it, I don't, I don't know anybody that would actually probably be bitter that somebody else was there too like you're not taking yeah, no. I mean, it's always good to have the help yeah I was going to say that might be an American league or an NHL thing maybe but not uh, not in a, not a central hockey league in, uh, in the 2000s thing no more the merrier yeah now that I'm saying it yeah exactly yeah and number four was Roger Maxwell see this is yeah ro- yes well yeah how large is that there's a large human that did it for a long time he was awesome. I played with him in San Angelo my first or my second year. He was just just an awesome guy. Calm, cool. Um, just a really nice guy. And he did it for a long time. Yeah. Did I um, don't know how long he was with I don't think he was there the full he wasn't there the full season. He was maybe there till Christmas or something. Don't know where he went. He was in Long Beach. I don't know if he went there before or after. I can't really remember, but he was uh, he was an awesome teammate. He was so cool, just just chill as anything. Uh, yeah, he he was in yeah he was in Long Beach. He only played nineteen games that year with you guys. In Senate. Yeah. but yeah, yeah. Like in terms of that, like when you have a guy like that, um, like what, like did you, obviously, I'm assuming you guys obviously sat and talked fighting. And like, yeah, I'd go over to, I'd go, I'd just go over to his place and he's probably thinking, what's this kid doing coming over here? But I just go hang out with him and just obviously be me being a fighting nerd. I just loved grilling him and asking him questions. He was a good teammate. Yeah. Like, and like, in terms of like actual fighting, like a practice, you know, like messing around with stuff, what, what would something like a, like, what would you try to, 
take from a Roger Maxwell that you could use? Well, just, just about how to tie up and how to how to wrestle and that sort. Of, like it's just so it's so hard for me to remember that far back. Like yeah, like I was just a kid and he was a you know a seasoned veteran, so you kind of had to not bother him too much. But you know the other guy that I that wasn't a tough guy that took a lot of time with me from that year was Paul Vincent. Do you remember that name? I do. Yeah, he's a yeah. He, he was just unbelievable. Like he, he skating and receiving pucks, and he he was just that. Those two guys were good for me that year. You know, Paul Vincent was great. I want to say he's an NHL. He works for an NHL team now, I believe. I That's believe. his dad. That was his dad. Okay. So Paul lives in Holland. He's been there for years. Okay. He yeah. was about 6'5". He was like 6'5", 220, and you'll never see a more gifted hockey player. He's the straight stick, could just swap hands going down the wing. Like he was just so talented and gifted. Yeah. And he ended up over here for years, and he's still over here now. But, yeah, so I just remember from that year, I really remember those two veteran guys. Well, there, well, there you go. Roger Maxwell, yep. Number three. This guy was really at the tail end of his career, but was unbelievable. Dodie Wood. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't think he I don't think he fought when he was with us in Memphis, and he was only there for a handful of games. But like I said at the start, it's about the names, the names on the list. So he was uh, he was awesome in Kansas City, and when he went to San Jose, and on he was a good teammate while he was there. Yeah. Well, and like you said, being being like the being like the fight nerd, right? I mean. I mean, I, you would have had Dodie Woods fights probably ingrained in your head at that point. Yeah, he was great. And he was funny as well. He used to put his shoulder pads on before his hockey pants, which I found really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, and that guy, and that guy was always, he was the first guy I ever saw. Um, I mean, I'm not saying no one before had ever done it, but I had never seen anybody sort of employed as a technique constantly. Was the under the arm duck thing? Mm, yep. Yeah, I've never seen it. I mean, see it now, but I mean, he was the first one that I saw do it regularly. And no, he was really technical when he fought. Yeah, yeah, and he was, um, you know, and yeah, and he and uh, pretty actually, I, I think a better player than people give him credit for too. Like he was, an, he was an excellent hockey player. Yeah, yeah, like when he when he played in Seattle in the Western League. I mean, he had thirty goals and would fight everybody, and you know, and I know he had a couple, you know. It had to be 15 goal seasons in the IHL, yeah. you know, while fighting everyone, you know, so. Yeah, and he wasn't I, very big. No, no. I mean, I think, they, well, I'm looking, they got him listed at 5'11", but I doubt it. Like, Yeah. No, he was he was good. Just a short time I was with him. And number two is Paul Ferrone. There you go. Which we've discussed before. He was just, um, I played with him for two seasons in Newcastle. I'd go to the boxing gym with him, and I'd never seen someone hit a heavy bag like him. It would just swing back and hit the ceiling and come back down. Yeah. Well, that's funny. There's another guy who played junior in Seattle. Like, Seattle had, like, the, the undersized enforcer market covered, cornered, because they had, like, him, Dodie Wood, Tyler Willis. They had, like, yeah. all these guys, and they could just all. But, yeah, Ferone was, yeah, you go back and watch Paul Ferone. I think he's sort of an unknown, or not unknown, that's, that's the wrong word. But it, it, it's, like. But he kind of flew under the radar, like he, you know, he didn't have the NHL time or the IHL or AHL. Well, he was in the AHL for a little while, but that's right. But I mean, 
like, I think a lot of people don't, like, just don't get to see it because the footage just isn't out there, right? No, but, it isn't. No, especially with him, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just, it was crazy how tough he was. It was, it was scary, the switch that would go off with him. And he was calm. Yeah. Well, and then, and like you said, right, both hands, it could hit real hard. And, and like I said, I've had guys in the show that they're like, oh yeah, Ferone. And initially, he was, they were like, especially if you like, slept on him right it was like yeah you know and you would like they said you look at him and he's just you know whatever six feet 180 and you're just like yeah whatever you know he looks like a little geek and then all of a sudden it's like he hits you and it's like oh my god like <laughs> what nightmare yeah. am i in here like yeah he he would just tear people apart it was um he 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 fought some kid basing stoke one on a kid some guy in basing stoke one night and he just he must have hit him 30 times cut him all up and and i don't think the kid knew who he was yeah, I mean, he wasn't. I don't think the second year I played with him, I don't think he fought very. I don't think he had to fight. Like nobody would go near him. Yeah, he had lots of room on the block. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like, the same thing in the Western League, right? Like it was just the guys would just leave him alone because then you know, yeah. Well, I mean, like he got into it. Like he was on my show and he was told the story. Actually, I don't know if he took. Now am I telling a story that was off air that I shouldn't be telling? Well, whatever. He won't care. But it was like. He got into it with the Kelowna team, and at that time they had Scott Parker, Todd Fedoric, Chris Millette. Like, Kelowna was just stacked team. And he got into it with them in Kelowna one night, or in Seattle one night, and he went on their bus by himself going after Fedoric. And nobody. Yeah, and well, and no one on Kelowna did anything. They just all sat in their seats. Like, no one went after him. You just think of the guys that are on that Kelowna team, and they just like, what is, who is this guy, right? Like, this guy is insane. Right, yeah. and he was quiet. He went about it the right way. He's quiet and just did it right. Yeah, and that and that was the thing. And it's so weird. Like when I had him on the show and talked to him leading up to the show, and I've talked to him since. Like actually, quite lengthy conversations on the phone, and he's like so quiet and like respectful. He's like, and everyone you talk to says, "Oh yeah, he's like like the nicest person ever." And it's just like, but you know, like you said, right? That switch goes, and it's like you don't want to be around <laughs> it. <laughs> He was one of the best teammates I ever had. He was just an unbelievable guy. We yep. spent a lot of time together over those two years. I really enjoyed my time with him. Yeah, and I've always enjoyed my conversations with Paul. He's like super nice, and uh, yeah, and doing uh, yeah, doing good things out in Vancouver. He's doing well for himself. But yeah, uh, I got I got back in touch with him after I listened to that podcast with you on him with you with him on with you. Yeah, he was saying so that. Quite nice to get back excellent. in touch with him. That's that's great. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, like you said, good dude. Yeah. All right. So number number one is Eric Cairns. There you go. Yeah. Which doesn't need much explanation. We've talked about him. He's just he was uh, awesome for us, and uh, good for me. Good for my career and unbelievable teammate. Yeah, man. It's like uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, as we're listening off the teammates, just the uh, and just kind of I was looking at your at hockey DB there and the teams you played on. Yeah, you were you were fairly fortunate as well. I mean, you you played you had some really tough teammates over the years. Well, especially in London and Newcastle. I don't I don't know if there'll be many. Well, you have to ask Paul and John for this, but I don't think there's been many tougher teams over here than that London team and that Newcastle team I played on. John will probably say John will probably say some old Nottingham teams from like the early two thousands, but I don't I don't buy it. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, well, like you said, well, just you and Ferone and Payette. Like, I mean, really? Like, is there, 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what three, what, like, teams might have had, you know, yeah, but I mean, three deep, four deep in the UK league? Like, yeah. I can't. Yeah, it was, it was tough hockey back then. Yeah. It, but there's some, you know, there's some honorable mentions like Schmier and Kluche. Um, you know, Chris Millette was tough. There's just loads of guys. When you get thinking about narrowing it down, it's quite tough to do. Yeah, I forgot you. Pl- yeah, I forgot you played with Millette. Um I didn't play with them. I played like I fought against them. Oh, I was gonna say. Okay, I'm like you. I didn't know you played. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Millette. Well, speaking of, um, well, I mean, I mean, he probably agree. I mean, it's. I mean, that like we said, that was the point before. I mean, that guy was an asshole. When he played, from what watching, he was mean as shit. That guy. Yeah, he was proper mean. I fought when I fought him. I did really well against him, but I think he was pretty banged up. And then I had to fight him again, and I didn't want to fight him because I thought I got off lucky the first time. And then we fought again, and he was he was he was he, was, he like stood straight up, and he could tie up, and he was a smart he was smart. Yep. He was a smart fighter, but there's loads of guys when you start thinking about it that you can go back through. Lots oh, of tough guys back then. Oh, yeah, like that oh, late yeah. night. Well, yeah, right when you – well, yeah, I mean, you hit it right. I mean, you know, as a fight fan, I would say perfect. I mean, you're the one fighting them. You might not say it was a perfect timing, but, um, you know, right from, like, that 99 to that early 2000s, like, I mean, the United League and the Central League and East, like, the, those leagues were just stacked with guys. Yeah. You um, – yeah. And I mean, and then like you said, then you get over to the UK, and I mean, for the UK for a while, it, it became you know every team had a guy, you know whatever. Yeah. But when yeah, like you said, when you were there, there was teams going two, three deep in the yeah, UK. Yeah, there were. Yeah. 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 And like you said, and guys that like that you were fighting, like it wasn't like oh we're over here for the European vacation and whatever. Like it was rough. Yeah, I think some of them probably initially came over thinking it was going to be like that, and then when you played teams like the teams I played on, it never was like that because we didn't really let it happen. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's also the mindset in the room, right? I mean, yeah, if you let it happen, it happens, right? But yeah, yeah, but well, there you go, man. That that was a that was a hell of a list of uh, teammates and opponents, and um, yeah. That was. Uh, I'll be thinking all night now of other guys. Well, I mean, yeah, like we were I say before, well, with your fight card, I mean, you know, we could do a top twenty-five, really. I mean, um, you know, with the names that that are on there. Um, I'll save that for next time. Oh yeah, we're certainly. Um, uh, yeah, I. Well, I know it's it's well, it's always just tough with you guys over in the UK. Like even when I've had tried to get Searson on a few times, it's just with the time difference and everything. But yeah. Um, yeah, there's still, oh, there's still a few different things that uh, I would definitely like to have you back on the show to do. Um, we should probably do one with those two, really. Because when, when I was asked, I, I spoke to them about the lists, and they, they were bringing up some old stories that I had kind of forgot about. So we should probably get on with the four of us, maybe. Hey, there you go. They have, like, the UK roundtable. Yeah, <laughs> with those two, Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and like you said, they, I imagine they could definitely jog your memory on a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. 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 But I always find it interesting, like, with with yourself and, like, like talking to, like, a, a guy like Wade Brookbank and guys like that. It's interesting with you guys. You grew up as, like, fight fans. Yeah. Like, some guys, just they just played and fell into the role and, and whatever. And, oh, I watched Don Cherry sometimes, you know, Rock'em Sock'em videos. But, like, 
like Wade had like fight tapes and shit back in the day, and you know, and stuff like that. And <laughs> I know, so it's it's interesting talking to guys like you, where you come from almost like a fight fan perspective, and then all of a sudden now you're doing it as well, right? So it's uh, it, it it's interesting. Um, yeah, when you could just talk about not only your career, but like they know, like you know, like you watched Dodie Wood when he was in San Jose or in Kansas City. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah where yep. some guys are just like, I don't know, like you know, whatever. Just I oh, I saw him on YouTube a couple times. You know, they don't really know, yeah, right? I knew I mean, all the guys. Oh yeah, like it was funny. I always laugh with like Spit and Chiglets, right? They got Bissonette on there, and somebody brings up Link Gates, and he's like, "Who's Link Gates?" Yeah. Like he doesn't know, right? And it's just like, well, first of all, I'm like, really, no one ever talked about Link Gates in any dressing room you were ever in. Come on, man. Yeah. Even when I when I played junior, I played in Aurora, and we had some older guys on the team. Like I even knew who Steve Durbano was when I was 16, 17 years old. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing, right? You were a fan, and it was so. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So it's like I was. It was. I mean, I was like talking to all the guys, but yeah, when you talk to like you or Brookbank or stuff, it's always interesting because it's like, yeah, you could just talk about kind of almost in depth about other guys because it's like, oh yeah, I remember when he fought this guy, this guy, and this guy because yeah. you had the tape, right, or whatever you watched back in the day. So that's always sort of interesting as well. But uh, Yeah, we'll do that sometime. We'll get the two of them on. Oh, yeah, we'll get those two jokers on, and we could, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do all of it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But, uh, but hey, this is a lot of fun, and I really pre- I know we've been setting it up for a while, and, and you're a busy dude, man, and I know you got your vacation, everything coming up, so I really want to thank you for taking the time tonight to come on. It was great. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Well, take care, buddy. You too. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 